Welcome once again, Bears fans, to Bears Scat. I'm Thomas. I'm Jim. And we're two idiots who thought that Bajent might be a real deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not great. Uh, we're recording a little earlier this week. Uh, I have a conflict on Wednesday, so we're getting this episode out Monday, which I was just joking with Tom, gives us an opportunity to actually react to the game and as opposed to whatever stupid shit the Bears do on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday of this week. Oh, and Bajan Orange was like Agent Orange this week. <laughs> yeah, Tyson Bajant Mania is dead. Although, not really, because if you follow Bears Twitter or it's crazy. you listen to sports radio, there's still a lot of Bears fans that want to see more of Tyson Bajan. And look, here's the thing with Bajan is that it's a really cool story regardless. It is a cool story. He's Division Two backup, or sorry, Division Two undrafted quarterback. That I think at least looks like he can maybe be a backup, right? I mean, he, he's shown an ability that he can come in and get you out of a game. He does some nice things, but he doesn't have the arm of a starting quarterback. No. And look, am I, but am he, I, does, he does show some qualities of an NFL quarterback, for sure. Yeah, like a, a good backup. And is it possible he develops a little bit more into maybe a bottom-of-the-league starter? Sure, that's possible, but right now, he's not any good. Yeah, I mean, the guy's been in the league for two months. Yeah, he's a rookie, and he he looks like a rookie that doesn't have a very strong arm. Which, if you don't have a very strong arm, you have a very low ceiling as an NFL quarterback. And look, he's done some nice things, he's made some nice throws, but in situations where he has to throw the ball down the field, you see the deficiencies, and you see that... If he's a little late on the throw, or if their window is tight, the defender can get in front of it. And you saw that with the three interceptions on Sunday. And he's got, what, eight turnovers now in three games? Yeah. So that's that's not good enough. No. Uh, you know, I, right now, I was uh, I decided to go look at the numbers, because that's what I like to do. And so I was looking at um, at the, uh, the passing numbers between him and Fields. And the the one the one spot that he jumps out over over fields is he has a little bit better completion percentage. Um, I think uh, a big part of that is this difference. Fields in six games was sacked twenty four times. Bajent in three and a half games has been sacked five. That's a pretty huge difference. Now, a big part of that is the fact that Fields has played behind the worst part of the line of this season. Yeah. The the line is getting better because it's getting healthier finally. Yeah. Um we actually have the players who are supposed to be the starters from the beginning of the year, but for some reason all of them got hurt in training camp. Uh, or just before the season started, they're actually all playing now. So I think that makes up for some of that deficit right there. Yeah, I think that's part of it. And I think that they are drawing up plays for Bajan to get the ball out quickly. Yeah. And look, when Bajan has an opportunity, he holds onto the ball way too long as well. Way that's, too long. That's a, a fault of his. But it does seem like Getze has drawn up more plays that are specifically designed for that ball to be out quick. And with Fields, I think Fields tries to 
live to fight and I, I think he tries to make something out of nothing as opposed to living to fight another day sometimes and yep. i think that contributes to the sacks that's part of the reason why he got hurt because he was trying to extend a play and get out of a sack and he ended up injuring his hand but i do think you're right the offensive line has gotten better now a trend that has continued to not improve is pre-snap penalties there were a bunch more of those this week, which you just can't have when you're playing with a quarterback that's got a pop gun arm. You, you Two different guys being called for holding on the same play? And the false starts. And, and the you, false start right at, I mean, what the? Yeah, you just can't have those penalties when you're already, you've already got a quarterback that clearly isn't comfortable pushing the ball downfield. But um, Are there coaches? Do, do we have any of those guys? <laughs> Well, Luke Getze had another game where DJ Moore was targeted, I think, five times. <laughs> so, well, so man, there were there were a couple of Hall of Fame Luke Getze, DJ Moore moments in that game. That, oh my god! F- first, the first one is the screen pass to Velas Jones with DJ Moore blocking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you drawing up with that? And the second one was a critical third down play late in the game. Third and four, and DJ Moore is not on the field. Yeah, he's on the sidelines. It's like call timeout, and instead of whatever you're doing, just draw up a play for your best player. I mean, the the fact that we've had multiple games now where DJ Moore is targeted three, four, five times. I mean, what is that? I, you know, you just also you just said it. What is it with not having the best players out there? Especially at the critical moments, you know, it, it just it doesn't make any sense. One play that I saw, okay, so it may be a, l- a little innocuous because it was in the first quarter, was but it still was a stupid play. Was they had Kari Blossing game run out wide on the left, and it was a, it was a loss, and I was like, why? Yeah, <laughs> you have three, four other running backs that can do that. And they're all better than him. And a bunch of receivers. I, I just, it just was like, that's the kind of stuff that happens multiple times a game. It's like you said, it, it I, what is he thinking when he's doing those things? I don't know. Like, you, you can't explain it. You can't explain how on one of the biggest offensive plays of the game, your best player on offense by far, who, by the way, you traded the first overall pick in the draft in part four, is sitting on the bench. And... It's not like he was injured. He was in the play before, and then he ran off the field because he had just run a deep route. And for whatever reason, they were like trying to go quick without DJ Moore on the field. It's like, call time out because your chances of a successful play go down so dramatically when DJ Moore is on is not on the field compared to when he is. He's that important. But with Getze, it's like he probably wasn't going to call up a play for him anyway. So it's, it's just... Really frustrating. I, I think we're all in agreement that Getze is not long for this job, but the whole coaching staff must be fired. Uh, there's there's no there's there's no questions about it anymore. It, there's there's no um, brushing past it. It is a dead stop. They must be fired. I think it's fine to leave them in place for the rest of the season, just because you know you got to get you got to have somebody coach the team, but. Uh, you know, it, it just, there's nothing good happening. Eberflus 
you know, we've talked many times about the fact that we wanted an offensive-minded coach. We want to hire an offensive-minded coach that works well with quarterbacks because it's always been the bane of the Chicago Bears' existence. And we want to hire him as the head coach. That way, if we do get somebody that is really good, we don't lose them because they're a coordinator and they go to be a head coach on another team. God, I know. And there's just so much buyer's remorse when you look around the league. I was watching that Chiefs-Dolphins game in Miami, and granted, Miami's offense did not play a good game, but I was just thinking, can you imagine if they had hired Mike McDaniel instead of Justin or instead of Matt Eberflus? Like, you yeah. see some of the concepts that the Dolphins' offense runs. and Now, however, let's also give them the caveat that they do have better weapons. Way better. But I think that Justin Fields has a better arm than Tua. I think he definitely does and has a better arm than Tua. He's a lot faster than Tua. He's a lot faster. Now, is he capable of processing? He's bigger, stronger, faster, yeah. actually. Is he capable of processing the same way? Maybe not, but we don't necessarily know that for sure because one guy has one of the best offensive minds in football, which, look, say what you want about McDaniel, but talk to any offensive player he's coached, including guys like Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, or actually he didn't coach McCaffrey, sorry, but he's coached some really good players in his time with the 49ers and yeah. with some other teams, and they all rave about what an offensive genius he is. We don't know if he's a great head coach. He hasn't won anything with the Dolphins, but you just see some of the things that that offense does, and you're just like, man, would that not look so much better than having Kari Blassengain split out wide. <laughs> and who knows, right? I mean, maybe if they... Get, maybe if they hire McDaniel, maybe they go out and trade for Tyree Kill. I mean, maybe not. But and, and uh, you know, give again, give credit where credit is due. Uh, he is getting the max out of Tua. Uh, there's a lot of teams that backed off from Tua after he suffered that injury at Alabama. Um, you know, he that was a kid that some people were looking at him being the number one overall pick, uh, and then he gets hurt and his stock dropped. Then his first couple of years in the league, his first year was pretty terrible. Yeah. Uh, you know, then uh, he goes and he has a concussion-a-thon. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, you've got to be scared when your quarterback has three con- concussions in one season. You know, so it just, it, 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 he's getting the max. He's, he's turned this guy uh, into one of the top guys in the league. Yeah, and this is all a bit besides the point, but yeah, I I agree. The coaching staff needs to go. There, there's nothing that anybody can point to that this coaching staff does well, except for what Ryan, except for what Ryan Poles said the other day about Eberflus, which is that he's this great leader in the room. And look, some of that may be true, and I think part of the problem with Eberflus is that he's like one of the worst public speakers I've ever heard, <laughs> which it baffles me that you can get to be that level of coaching without being able to speak publicly. But look, maybe he's got a different personality in the locker room, and maybe the fact that he just is a terrible communicator with the media makes it seem like he's a worse coach than he is. Yeah. But also, like, the team... Has like in what area has the team developed or overachieved? The defense still stinks. Yeah, and we'll see it. He's with, supposed to be a defensive guru. Yeah, and yeah, I know that the Bears only gave up twenty-one points, and 
they were within one score in a game where they had five turnovers, which is kind of unheard of. But and the Saints just were begging to lose that game. Well, they're, they're poorly coached and undisciplined too. The the uh, yeah uh, for sure. The the other thing is is that I would think at least that middle linebacker would shine under this guy because he 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 was raised playing linebacker. He played linebacker in college. He that was where he started his base coaching was a, as a defensive uh, as a defensive uh, advisor or whatever they call the first year guys. Um, anyway, uh, but he he's always had that around, and his most recent success was with the Colts and Darius Leonard. But even linebacker play hasn't been outstanding. Under him, <laughs> Jack Sanborn played well yesterday. <laughs> Jack Sanborn did play pretty well yesterday, but I mean, you know, it just it 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 would if it, it's such a focus for him, you would think you would see more. Yeah, I agree. And look, maybe the excuse is that just with this bad of a defensive line, the rest of the defense doesn't work. But then, why haven't you invested in the defensive line like at all? Yeah. Besides draft picks, and look, those draft picks may end up being the best return on your investment but nobody was really expecting Dexter or Pickens to make a huge impact this year because they're rookies right but you haven't spent any money to go out and get anybody really impactful on the line until this last week when you traded for Montez Sweat and look round of applause for the Bears they did agree to a round of applause for polls yeah they got they got the extension done we were worried about that last week and that ended up being much to do about nothing but yeah, it's not like you've seen any real development of any of the, the good defensive players either, other than I think Gordon and Brisker have come along a little bit. Yeah. But overall, the defense just has been awful for a year and a half now. And he Eberflus clearly made a bad hire for his offensive coordinator. Yeah. I don't think anybody approves of the job Luke Getze's done. No. So it's like... What has this coaching staff done well? And you continue seeing mistakes in game, like not having DJ Moore on the field for one of the most important plays of the game. And undisciplined penalties. That's supposed to be part of the hits principle, right? Attention to detail. Well, attention to detail is not false start penalties and delay of games. And just well, he's had multiple games where he couldn't get tackling right. Yeah, the, the game against the Chargers was just completely ridiculous when you think about how many missed tackles there were. And granted, that was better against the Saints. I made a comment that, yeah, tackling actually really looks a lot better this week. But that's supposed to be every game. You know, <laughs> it, 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 we, we shouldn't be, be having to applaud them for tackling well a year and a half into the hits principle system. Yeah, exactly. And uh, one of the things uh, that I, you know, I've noticed is that it's all these it's all these things combined that makes you question how this guy got this job yeah. i mean uh, he supposedly was a great defensive coordinator for the colts um but not even that part of it is reflected in what he's doing and with with the way things are proceeding right now you don't see any growth that's that's one of the biggest problems is that they don't seem to be playing any better than they were last year no 
not not in any way that I can point out. The you know I, I mean other than DJ Moore, <laughs> yeah, DJ Moore's been good. Cole Komet's gotten better. That's great. Uh, the line I think you know has improved a little bit when they've been healthy, but. Overall, I mean, the team is two and seven right now, and I believe they were two and seven last year. <laughs> they only won three games, so they they couldn't have been much better than that at any point. So, um, well, as it is right now, I, I just I prefer us to just lose the rest of the games, just because that way we can end up with the number one overall pick. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's really nothing to uh, nothing to cheer about. I'd like to see them play competitively, obviously, but. Uh, other than that, there's just nothing to watch. Well, so, and that that's maybe a next question because we're halfway through the season right now. And, look, one thing that needs to stop, too, is the debate over whether or not it's going to be Fields or Bajent as the guy. Yeah. Chances are it's going to be neither. Like, if I, if I had to put my guess on what percentage likelihood either of those two guys is going to be the starting quarterback week one of next year... I would say Bajent, 0%, Fields, 20%. I think that's about right. 80% somebody else. Like, I, I think Fields, if, if he comes back against the Panthers or if it takes another week, he's going to have eight or seven games to give one final audition to his bosses. And look, I hope everybody involved takes that opportunity to try to save their jobs and to try to show that they can make this work. But we haven't seen really anything to make us think that's going to happen. Exactly. Uh, And just to extend on that, the way it it seems to be playing out right now is, well, friend of the show, Matt, he was convincing me a little bit that maybe the Bears do stick with uh, Fields next year simply because he'll still be in his rookie deal. So he's still cheap. And that way they can make a final determination on whether he stays whether he can take it to the next level. He's certainly shown, though, I saw this reflected on Twitter, that he is definitely not the guy that does it without a lot of help around him. He has to have a lot of help. Um, and his last, like, 16 games, this was floating around Twitter. His last, his stats, his last 16 games have been pretty good. Yeah, now, there, there's, decent. There's been some great in there, and there's been some awful in there, but... Overall, he's rated out pretty well. I'm going to try to find that tweet, but you can keep going. So the the thing is, is that if if you do look at it from that aspect, yeah, it's a little it's a little shaky. It's a little questionable as to whether it's worth keeping him on. But at the same time, do you go and do a hard reset? And that was Matt's that was Matt's point. And I think there's some logic here because the thing is, is that. You do have a hard, solid base of experience and investment in what you have currently. And you don't have to pay him the big dollars yet. You could go ahead and sign him to the, his fifth-year option in the offseason. That's no big deal. Yep. You, you can do that. And then you have the option to do whatever you want with him after year four. Right. But at the same time, um, you don't walk away with nothing. Uh and then you can use those high picks that we're going to have on other spots on the team, right? Matt's logic, again, use that, use those top two picks uh, as weapons for filling in holes, especially 
in the offensive line and defensive line, yeah. right? And then looking at adding other things that are key. I think most of us would agree that while we love DJ Moore, he needs a counterpart. I think most of us would agree that while getting Montez Sweat was a great grab, I think that was pretty obvious yesterday as he was the only one that actually even got close to the quarterback. Yay! Uh, <laughs> yay! Um, he needs a counterpart, right? Yeah. So those are places that we could look at. Uh, one of the things uh, also, friend of the show, Chris has mentioned, is that huge left tackle from Penn State. He's going to be a top five pick. That, that, that right now is looking pretty good. Yeah, I could definitely get on board with a plan that says, if we have two top five picks, we're going to go best wide receiver available, best left tackle available, and just try to build out an elite supporting cast around Fields. And, like, the last two games before Fields got hurt were really good. He threw four touchdowns in each game. We don't see that very often as Bears fans. And then he has a bad half against the Vikings, and then he's hurt. Yeah. So there was some momentum there. We don't know what would have happened in the second half of that Vikings game. If he stays out there, maybe they come back and win. But we don't know. But I still want to see Fields with a coach that actually seems like he's interested in maximizing what he does well. Yes. Because, and whether that's here or whether that's somewhere else, but do you feel that either coach, Matt Nagy or Luke Getze, has done the most that they possibly could do to maximize what Justin Fields' potential is? Absolutely not. Like, not even close. <laughs> and, and really, if you're a Bears fan and you do think that, Go watch another sport, man, (laughs) or another team, because you're way off. Yeah, Matt Nagy was trying to run his Willy Wonka offense, and Luke Getze's trying to coordinate an offense for Aaron Rodgers. The the Nagy year was just a complete waste. It was just a complete waste of an entire year of that young man's career. Well, and it sounds like we're making excuses, and to some extent we are. That wasn't an excuse. That was plain as day. When you got, yeah, when you've got a rookie under a coach that's actively game planning against him. Yeah. Like that's going to derail your development a little bit. And then last year you had the bears trying to lose games on purpose. Yeah, so it was, you know, the, the thing is, is the one part of Getsy that I thought was going to be interesting was, you know, he had worked with, uh, he had worked with the 12 bot from the cheese balls for a while and uh, so it looked like he was going to, you know, get an opportunity here. I don't know whether the leap was just so big that he couldn't handle it. I'm sure that must be part of it. But I thought he would bring more uh, to Field's game as far as pocket presence, if anything. Because that's one of the things that Rodgers is known for, is his pocket presence, his escapability, his ability to extend plays. And while Fields has some of that in in him innately, I don't feel like Getze has done anything to improve those things. These are just, it's just pure talent from Fields. Yeah, right. I think we've seen it once, right, in, in that Washington game this year. Right. L- last year, Fields, I think... The offense was tailored to him a little bit more, and then he just made a lot of spectacular plays with his legs. This year, I was really expecting to see a lot more designed pocket movements and play action and getting him out in space where he can use his arm and his his legs to make plays because the physical talent's elite. 
And we just didn't see that for the first part of the season. And then it seemed to start looking a little better uh, with the Denver and the Washington game. And then the first half of the Minnesota game was a disaster. Again. Yeah. So um, I certainly don't think that I've seen enough to say that Justin Fields can't be a successful NFL quarterback. But successful quarterback with the Bears, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced that it's going to happen just because it, it's like, it's almost a little too late in the sense that even if he does come back next year and is great at that point, the rookie deal is over and your best chance to win a Super Bowl is with a elite quarterback on a rookie contract. Now it's not saying that you can't win once he gets a big extension, but you, you want to know by the time that you're going into that fourth year, whether or not you've got the guy or not. And Absolutely. I, I, I don't think we know for sure that we don't, I, you definitely can't say that we do. But that's been that's because of organizational incompetence and terrible coaching and now an injury. So I, I don't know if we're going to actually get to the opportunity to see Justin Fields with an offensive coach that's interested in coaching him here. I, I think we'll see it somewhere because I think he's going to get picked up by somebody that's tantalized by the talent. But I, I just am not convinced that it's going to be here for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And even if you look at, if you, if you look at our small grouping, that grouping being the NFC North, I think you can look at the Vikings and yep, I'm actually going to give them a compliment. Uh, mark it down. Uh, <laughs> the thing is, is that I think you're seeing um, O'Connell uh, get, he was getting the most out of, Kirk Cousins last year, yeah. and Kirk Cousins' numbers for this year were kind of ridiculous. Yeah, he was playing really well. He was playing really well before he got hurt. So I, I think it's I think when you look at those things, something was changing there from the previous regime. He was having an effect on how the on how his quarterback was playing and how the offense was playing as a as a whole. And we haven't seen any of that and I and I think you're right the only game that even comes remotely close is the Reds is the commanders game yeah and that was just the commanders refusing to cover DJ Moore yeah they I mean they were terrible yeah Let, let's recognize that you were talking about the Dolphins Chiefs game earlier now the Dolphins didn't have a very good game but let's also give it up for the Chiefs defense in that game wow they were playing on fire most of that game so there was there there was some give and take there. Yes, uh, Dolphins offense wasn't as key as it could be, and Chiefs defense was playing you know off the chain. So I, I you know that's one thing. But when you're playing, uh, you know when you're when you're when your team only looks decent playing absolute garbage, that's not a good thing. Well, and part of that is I think what's supplementing the Bayesian love is that he did win a game. And, you know, <laughs> you can't take it away from him, but it was against an absolute corpse of, yeah. a, of a team. Awful. That had completely quit on their coach. And if, if you read the backstory of how McDaniels ended up getting fired, a lot of it was because of that Bears game. Like, obviously, there was quite a bit of evidence that he's terrible leading into that game. But yeah. apparently the locker room just completely quit on him after that Bears. That was definitely the, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> and... Rightfully so, because I'm not... I mean, you were, your entire staff was fired, or your, your head coach 
was fired in the middle of the season. I mean, you have to be really screwing things up to get fired in the middle of the With season. With like five years left on his deal or something. Oh, like, they owe him a huge amount. They owe him a mountain of money. And they're still paying Gruden, I think, are they? Yeah, <laughs> maybe he got fired for cause. I, but I don't I think they are still paying him too. Probably something a little bit, so that's a mess. But I mean when you think about the two wins this year is against Washington, who, like you said, was just terrible. Clearly, they weren't ready to go on Thursday Night Football. And then, yeah, the Raiders, who were just a complete disaster. And, you know, maybe now playing a little better under Antonio Pierce, which says more about Josh McDaniels than I think it does Antonio Pierce. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. I know you had some questions you wanted to go through. So, you know, we're basically at the halfway point. So I thought I was going to, uh, we'd go over some questions. Okay. Who gets your gold star? What player gets your gold star? On this team? Yeah. Um, Dante Foreman? Oh, nice. Uh, I like Dante. Hey, now, DJ Moore, probably. Cole, D- Cole well, Komet, they've well, all been good. All three of those have been good. Now, you know, it's funny because when Dante, when Deontay Foreman came to the team, before the season started, I pictured him as being the bell cow. Yeah. Um, and when I say that, I mean like 20 carries a game, right? And then the off the offset was going to be uh, uh, Herbert, and then they were also going to mix uh, Johnson in, right? I mean, they spent all of last year being the most most of the year being the number one rushing offense in the league, yeah. right? So I thought they were going to continue on that. That didn't happen. Well, and this is another what happened there, Getzy. This is another complaint I had about the game this week because it felt like towards the end they were playing like they were down 21 points because every throw was going 20 yards down the field with a quarterback that clearly can't make those throws. It's like holding the ball four and five seconds. It's like they were never at any point down more than a touchdown. It's like, keep running the ball. Yeah. He was, Deontay Foreman was having a great game. Yeah. But I, I guess if I have to go gold star, it's probably going to DJ Moore. He's been the most impactful player, but not as impactful as you'd like because they just won't throw him the ball. Yeah, and I, 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 I'm 1 and 1A. One uh, my 1A, you know, like you said, Cole Komet, um, it has taken another step. He's he's just, a, he does so many things well. That's what I really like about him. I still think he could be a bigger threat in the passing game, um, but, uh, you know, uh, you know th- that's probably nitpicking a bit. Um, who gets a pile of scat? Um, boy, that is <laughs> the entire defense. So are we, are we coaches or players or both coaches and players? Um, I think the player that I've probably been the most disappointed in. Oh boy. It's such a long list. Um, uh, I got to say that at least a little pile of scat goes to Mr. Bitter eat, eat, eating lemons Jalen Johnson, I'm sorry. I don't feel sorry for you about you not being offered $20 million a year. Because you. I don't care about the money. I never have cared about how much of the McCaskey's money that they spend. But it is a resource and you only get a finite amount. And you're not worth $20 million a year. Well, I think let's go through the list of players that you're disappointed in. So just taking it from the top. Fields. Mooney, Braxton Jones, Nate Davis, Cody Whitehair, (laughs) Lucas Patrick, um, 
And then on the defensive side, Ngakwe. I'm actually a little disappointed with uh, Edmonds. Yeah, um, Justin I, Jones. I, I thought he would be a, have a bigger impact. Um, Dominique Robinson. Oh, he's just done. You know, it, it's like... Uh, I didn't expect anything from him, so it's tough to say I'm disappointed. Um, Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson, uh, not... You know, he's had a tough time staying yeah. on the field. And, yeah, Jalen Johnson, I was expecting more plays on the ball. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of disappointment all, all throughout the roster. And we said what we need to say about the coaching staff. They're awful. But yeah. there's been a lot of players that I've felt have underperformed. And, you know, some of that's been due to injury. Some of that's been due to just poor play. And, yeah, Edmonds is a good one because I really expected him to be more impactful than he's been, and it just hasn't really shown up. I mean, I, I think I think he has gotten better with the season um, as the season has progressed. I kind of expected him to have an impact right from the beginning, and I just really haven't seen you know his number called out for a lot of things. I certainly thought he would have more of an impact in the turnover game as well. So... Um, oh, another, probably the biggest pile of scat is, and I just kind of feel bad picking on this guy at this point, but what does Vilas Jones do? <laughs> like every time, every time he's mentioned, it's something terrible that's yeah, happening. Yeah, I, I, I just, uh, he has pictures of, I don't know, poles, <laughs> Eberflus, I, I don't know. Um, I, I don't understand how he's still on the team. And I, and I was a Vilas Jones cheerleader when he first came on. Um, I I didn't mind the fact that he was 25 years old when they drafted him. Um, I saw a guy that had really persevered and worked his butt off uh, through college. And uh, I just, I thought we would see more of that reflected. And it's like you said, almost every time, not figuratively or meta- metaphorically, Every time they mention his name, there's a bad thing <laughs> associated with it. Yep. So I, I just, I don't understand why. I don't even want to hear his name anymore. It's gotten so bad. I just, I mean, like, because when you do hear it, it's like, okay, great. Hey, he's got the Adam Archuleta disease. Oh, uh, yeah, whatever is, that is. Just that every single time his name comes up, it's something negative. <laughs> um, so, uh, in your opinion, uh, next year... Would you, if if you had, just based on the knowledge that you have right now, uh, so you said Bajent, so Fields, Bajent, other, yeah. Which would which would you prefer for next year? Uh, are we assuming a new coaching staff? Yes, assuming a new coaching staff so like, because really, uh, I don't see how polls can keep this coaching staff. At some point, they're going to fear for their lives. yeah uh i oh man probably my preference would be a rookie i don't know i i've said before i want the new coach to make the decision yeah if it's an offensive coach i i want him to evaluate fields and i i don't want the bears to say that this is the guy like i don't want them to hire a new coach with the condition that Justin Fields is the quarterback for one more year. I, I want the fresh. I want the new coach to, to take a fresh look at everything and to decide. I think. I mean, I don't want who wanna, is the guy that I want to work with, right? Like, 
I've been such a big fan of Fields that I, I hope he turns it around and I hope that a new coach comes in and looks at the tape and says, man, they just screwed this guy up. I'm not confident that's what's going to happen. Though I, I think that likely, the overwhelming likelihood is that they're drafting a quarterback in the first round. I, I'm agreed with all that. I really don't have a lot to add because while I do think it would be nice, uh, like you said, it would be a good story to bring in a new coaching staff, uh, one that is specifically uh, going to come in and work with Fields, wants to work with Fields, does believe that Fields uh, should be the starting guy. Um, and, you know, then we're able to use those high draft picks to, to fill other holes. Um, but I have, uh, I just have a punch that uh, Poles is going to go ahead and move on from him. Uh, Poles, it's, it, it, it comes up again. It's not Poles guy. Mm-hmm. He didn't bring him to the organization. Um, I feel like Poles has looked at uh, the last year and this year as kind of his audition, as Fields' audition, to see how he could grow. And right now, it's as you said, we don't really know. Uh, Nobody seems to have a really good idea of whether this guy can take the next step or whether this this is his peak. I'm with you. I don't think he's reached his next step. But I'm also with you in... I don't know whether he can do that in Chicago. Yeah, uh, not with this coaching staff, I don't think. And there's a self-preservation aspect of this with polls, too. Because if he runs it back with Fields, and Fields is terrible again next year, and it's a third season of, like, three wins, yeah, there's no guarantee that he He's going to get chopped. Yeah. But if he drafts a quarterback, and maybe they win five games, but if things are looking like the arrow's pointed in the right direction, then... I think that Ryan Poles gets an opportunity to see that through. And, like, you'd like to think that executives don't think that way, but they're human. And yeah, I, I would. Yeah, they don't, they don't want to lose their job. There's a great quote that I heard once from Steve Keim, who was the longtime Cardinals general manager, and they yeah. were asking him why he drafted Kyler Murray because they had drafted a quarterback the year before, and he, he goes... Look, if I had drafted Nick Bosa, who was the second player taken that year, I probably would have gotten fired. Kyler got me extended. So, <laughs> that stuff happens because, of course, it does. And, it, and actually, it turned out to be a good move because the first selection of Rosen was absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. And while Kyle Murray has had some struggles, he still has a lot of upside, a lot of potential left. They're another team, you know, that doesn't doesn't have a solid answer yet. But they do have somebody there with potential. Um, so uh, the next one is, who do you think at this point has been the best running back? Now, you just kind of answered it. I'm assuming that you're going with Deontay Foreman. Yep. Now, would you like to see him get the most carries throughout the rest of the season? Because I'm kind of in that boat. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they drafted Roshan, but... Another part of this, too, is I don't like young, promising running backs taking a bunch of hits on crap-ass teams. Yeah. So if they want to keep using Foreman and uh, mixing in Ro- Roshan to allow him to develop, and you know, I, I think Foreman's played well. I think he deserves to continue getting the majority of the carries for the time being. What position do you think we are hurting in currently at the most? Pass rush. 
I think so too. I, I don't I don't see and I that's one of the reasons that I've applauded uh the sweat acquisition since the very beginning. Um I, I I've said this before, but I didn't think that sweat would be available. I thought we were gonna end up with Chase Young. I'm I do suspect there is something else in the Chase Young story because I don't understand why the commanders would get rid of both of them. Right. It, you you just you just threw away two uh, two proven defensive ends because I mean Chase Young's rookie season was actually pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know whether he won defensive rookie of the year or not. I can't remember, but he was he anyway at the end of the year he was very much right there in the conversation yeah. for defensive rookie of the year. Then he suffers a horrible injury that takes him basically out and. You know he's he, he but he's he's showing a lot of bounce back this year, and they let him go for a third round pick. They used the number two overall pick on the guy, and they just got rid of him for a third rounder. I don't know that to me sounds like there's more to that story. Yeah, but agreed. regardless, I, I think that I think that Sweat is a good investment. They sat him down. They said, you know what, this is how much we uh, want to give you, and he said, good to go. Bears fans go berserk about how much money they give him. Do you know that Lance Briggs actually tweeted out, why is it that fans always say when a new guy gets a big deal, how do how do they pay him that much money? Don't you ever look at how much money the owners have? They have plenty of money to be paying these guys. More power to them. Get as much as you want. I don't care how much money the, uh, they spend on the McCaskies. No. And I, yeah, I, I, it's, if, if you listen to fan reaction, then the Bears would never sign or trade for anybody. Exactly. It's, it's always, always negative. But I, I, I do. I, I love the sweat acquisition. I think he's going to be good. If you pair him with a, a good pass rusher in the draft next year, maybe you spend a little money on that position too, finally. Like, that could end up being a really nice leader of your defensive line. Oh, my God. And, I mean, the team is absolutely starving for one, right? I mean, and so the the other the other position that I would um, – the other positions that uh, pop out for me is, uh, you, as you were talking about, Offensive line. We still need another offensive lineman. Center. Um, yeah, center definitely is one of the top ones. Centers don't usually go very high. I doubt we'll use a first-round pick on a center. In fact, I don't think there is even one. Uh, Biggs talked about that a little bit. Um, and friend of the show, Chris, has talked about that a little bit. Uh, I don't think there's a center that's going to go in the first round. Maybe not even the second round. There's a couple of guys that are definitely third uh, Top of the round, uh, third round guys, but um, I, I'm I, I'm liking you know getting another tackle. We we've already got one good young tackle. I think I think that Poles made a great decision there. Yeah, I like Darnell Wright. Braxton Jones, I think, is probably more of a swing tackle at this point. Although, or they could move him in inside to guard. Yeah, but I think you've got your guards kind of set ideally. Yeah. Well, because Cody Whitehair is probably not going to be with the team next but year. It'll be Jenkins and Davis, and then you're banking on health with two players that tend like to just appear to be injury prone. That's true. But if you if and that's the thing is is that if you do put him at swing, he's a pretty darn good swing tackle. Yeah, I think that's fine. I I think he can still be a decent left tackle. I think this year he had the injury, right? So it's been 
tough to evaluate. And I think his blocking grades are typically pretty good. The problem this year has been penalties. So if he can get that cleaned up, then he might still be the fit there. But, boy, it would be really nice to just have an ass kick and left tackle yes. in the first round. And then that's a really, really uh, good young offensive line to get excited about. Yeah, and that um, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce the kid's name, but the kid that plays uh, in Penn State, um, he's, uh, I think he has 18 starts at uh, left tackle, six foot six, 320 pounds. Um, the way I read it, uh, you know, all the draft gurus are all over this guy. He is expected to be a top five pick. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm of the opinion that when it comes to the draft, if you have a top five pick, there's only three positions that qualify for that quarterback, defensive end, left tackle. That's it. Doesn't go any further than that. But, um, uh, and then the other spot is, of course, receiver, right? Do you do you think it's worth spending pick one or pick two on Marvin Harrison Jr.? Um, boy, there's so many other needs that probably not. But if you've got an elite veteran receiver paired with an elite young receiver, that's pretty exciting. It is pretty exciting. But I got to say, and we didn't talk about these things before. These were new questions for Jim. I agree. Uh, I love the thought of getting Marvin Harrison, but I just can't justify using that high of a pick on receiver. I've seen too many times where a receiver that's taken farther down can turn out to be a top flight guy. Justin Jefferson is a perfect example. Jordan Addison is sure looking pretty darn good, yep. while Jackson Smith and Jigba is looking like okay. He's you know looking okay. Yeah, Addison is making a, a big noise. Well, you know? and yeah, the other thing too is yes, you can have very successful wide receivers taken in the top five, but the be- the biggest example right now in the league is Chase. And while Chase is awesome, he's also paired with one of the best young quarterbacks in the game, which yeah. we don't have. So yeah. I don't know. And he has he has two other guys. I mean, people don't ever talk about Tyler Boyd, but Tyler Boyd is actually a good receiver. Yeah, they've got an elite skill position. And they have T. Higgins as their number two. Right. You know, so yeah, it, it, they, they have a really solid group from top to bottom. Yeah, so I, I think... Believe me, if the Bears take Marvin Harrison, there's going to be a lot of fans celebrating, and I'll be with them because he's an awesome player. But, man, there's so many other needs on this roster, especially when you've already traded what amounts to a really high draft pick for DJ Moore. That's a lot of draft capital on receiver where there's a lot of other holes. But And we, we did trade. We trade a high pick to get Montez Sweat. Yeah. I, for one, actually believe that that was appropriate. Um, I, I don't see a problem with drafting. I mean, would I have liked to use a third-round pick to get him instead? Sure. I think everybody is in agreement there. But I, at the same time, the people that are out there that are like, oh, that was a waste. Uh, we could have got him anyway. You're smoking something. And I don't know what it is. He was probably going to get traded somewhere else. He was going to get traded. Yeah. They traded both of the defensive ends away. That was, they were having a fire sale. So um, if we didn't get him, somebody else was going to get him. Yep. And and how about the how about Washington trading both of them in the same conference? <laughs> I don't know whether that's all that smart, but uh, you know, 
they were they were both going to get traded, and so we would have just missed the shot. That's uh, that that's what I firmly. Yeah, and you probably weren't going to get as impactful of a player in the second round. No, I mean, you know, the thing is, is that uh, even if you do use a top flight pick on a on a defensive end, that that's one of those positions that. Man, it's a really iffy transition to the to the NFL, and you can have a guy that looked like an absolute stud when he was in college just turn out to be a total uh, a, a total fallout in the NFL. Sure can. So, um, I, that that was my questions. That's that's right. what I got. I'm guessing we probably don't have power rankings yet, right? No, no power rankings yet. I'm gonna um, go out on a limb and say the Bears are gonna be 30th again. <laughs> I, I would guess that too, just because there's other teams that are just as terrible. Um, I, there was a, a, a kind of a vote of confidence for to move on from the current quarterback situation. Man, uh, people are sure looking at uh, the the Texans as being pretty smart right now. Man, I know. We were watching that game at the bar and. God, that kid looks the part. And, he really does. But you got to remember, right? I mean, look, and that, this just proves the point because that's the same guy that a week ago lost to Carolina. Yeah. So sometimes development. The do- team lost to Carolina. Yeah, but they scored, what, 12 points? Yeah. Something like that against a terrible defense. So that, that just proves the point that sometimes these things go up and down and you've got a young quarterback. Sure. But, man, I would have to think that Texans fans are pretty darn excited about having C.J. Stroud in there. I mean, he was just on fire against Tampa Bay. Yeah, and, and it's like you said, I mean, it's going to be up and down for him this year, but just to see a rookie go out there, and uh, and he's been a pretty, he looks in command. Um, that's that's such a big deal, you know, to look that. Uh, while I think that Bajan um, does look like he can play in this league, to me, he does not give out, uh, give that complete leadership feel that I get from Fields. I, I it, That's just my opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, Fields just is so much more talented. Yeah, he just, he he really seems like he is next level in every way, and that something is just not working there, and that's that's where that big question mark keeps coming from. And I, and I don't feel like either of those coaching staffs have come close to, to doing the things that are needed to be done to make that guy play at his top level. No, I agree. Um, sure and it would really suck to watch him go and play for another team and be really successful. Well, like, yeah, I was I was kind of doing this exercise in my head of, like, well, what teams really need a quarterback? And it's like, all right, Packers, well, yep. they're not going to trade him there. Uh, Falcons, that's the obvious one that everyone thinks of. Cause you got How about Vikings? Ryan Pace connection. Yeah, but they're not going to trade him to the Vikings. Um, I mean, Giants, Rams. Yep. And then, I mean, in the other conference, Raiders. Like, there, there's a lot I, of teams. I bet Brian Dayball would snatch him up in a minute. Oh, yeah. I think so, too. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, the Bears are going to be able to control where he goes if they trade him. And I don't know that they're going to trade him in the conference, but they might. And that's the thing is, is that, you know, whatever Poles decides to do at this point, he's got to get something for it. Pace was famous for spending a lot and getting nothing in return. So I'm hoping 
it, it, so far, Paul's track record, would you agree, Paul's track record has been pretty good as far as when he's given out something, he's gotten something back. With the notable exception of Chase Claypool. That was, uh, that was <laughs> obviously a total disaster. You know, though, one thing that is comparable about Sweat and Claypool is that, to me, that's what he was trying to do with Claypool last year, is what he did with Sweat this year, was he was trying to get a, a young a dynamic player and bring him in at a place there's a big hole and there's not expected to be a lot of resources available in the off season. Not to mention that, um, you know, he seemed like this, this kid has a lot to offer and that, you know, Claypool is, well, he's cesspool is what he is. (laughs) Yeah. Didn't work out. I saw he had a big false start for the dolphins, of course. (laughs) Uh, You want to do a quick run, run through the division? Sure. So, a uh, little tough on Monday, but because the Giants play the Chargers, or sorry, the Lions play the Chargers next week. Uh, obviously, the Chargers still have to play the Jets tonight, but Lions go to LA. That's a pretty good matchup. I think so. We'll see what happens with the Chargers tonight, but assuming no major injuries or anything, I kind of like Detroit in that game. Detroit, I think, is the better team there and uh, the better coached team, notably. Uh, agreed. I, I don't think that um, the Chargers are that great. I think they should be a lot better than they actually are. I wasn't in, in, that impressed uh, even when they beat the crap out of the Bears because it's like the Bears stink. Uh, <laughs> they they were supposed to do that, you know. Uh, but uh, the Lions um, really seem to be rolling. The Lions right now, to me, look like a team that is going to be in the NFC Championship game. I think they look like the second best team in the conference behind Philly, and I could see an argument for Dallas, but I'm not a believer in Purdy, uh, so I, I and I'm not a huge believer in Goff either, but I definitely see where you're coming from there, where if, if they get a favorable draw and if the 49ers have to go to Ford Field, I, I think the Lions would be favorites in that game. Yeah. Assuming, like, you know, no significant injuries. Um Vikings at home against the Saints. They're two and a half point underdogs. How about them winning a game with Josh Dobbs, who had been on the team for like four days? I was um, I was pretty blown away by that. Uh, I I will not deny. Um, you know, uh, uh, Kevin Seifer um, uh, mentioned that while it it is a, a great feather in Dobbs' cap, you also give have to give it up for their head coach O'Connell, and I think that's appropriate. And Flores, that defense is doing a lot better than I thought they would. I said it at the beginning, at, at, during the offseason, that their best acquisition this year was getting him. Um, I, I cannot believe that Flores took that job as a defensive coordinator again, um, and I don't see any way they retain him. He should be a head coach in the NFL. Yep. He should have already been, and he should be now. So he never should have gotten fired by Miami. That was that was garbage. That was garbage. But um, yeah, more kudos to him. He's got that. Uh, he's got that group playing way above their skill level, way above the personnel level. Um, do I think that Minnesota is going to really do it, make any noise? I don't. Uh, I don't think that they have the personnel to do it. Um, I and Josh Dobbs is Josh Dobbs. That that version of him is going to come out. Yeah, or it's going to be Nick Mullins or Sean Mannion. It, it, I mean. it, they they got really hurt when uh, when Cousins got uh, lost for the season, and when they have to play really good teams, 
that is going to come out. Yeah, and look, the NFC is so bad. Like, if the season ended today, the Vikings would be at the seventh seed. Yes. Yeah. And they might very well be the seventh seed. Could make it. But I think that's a seventh seed that gets dismissed pretty easily yeah. by one of the top they, teams they, in the they, they, Don't forget, the Bears made the playoffs in 2018. Yeah. And we know that that was, shouldn't have happened. 2020. Uh, oh, 2020. Pardon but, me. Um, it was extremely forgettable. Yeah, so I... I I, I think the Vikings could beat the Saints. I mean, th- that Saints team, they suck. Yeah, they're not good. They they, they are mediocre. It's like you said, they were trying to give the game away. Yeah, they, they could have easily lost that game with a plus five turnover differential. Yeah, well, you, we, you know that you know that uh, Vikings fans will be pumped up for that one. They hate Saints. <laughs> they yep. hate the Saints. And then we got Womp Womp, the Packers, going out to Pittsburgh. Now, the Packers got to win this week. Against yeah. Brett Rippon. After, yeah, against Brett Rippon and after their bye. And barely. At home. And barely. So, they stink. They're going out to play Pittsburgh. They're three-point underdogs. I think Pittsburgh gets that one done. Yeah, because I think Pack- so, too. The Packers just can't move the ball. That's another team, though, that's struggling with quarterback. Kenny Pickett is not good. No. Um, and I, I don't see... I, I Maybe he'll develop, but I don't see it happening. No, nobody's good. There's, like, four teams that are good. Yeah, it, it's, it is... Hard to find a good quarterback, and the thing is, is that I firmly believe this: if you're able to make it into the NFL, any quarterback that is able to make it at that level can come in and play a few games and look decent. Mm-hmm. But doing it for 17 games, year in and year out, is super difficult. Yes, and that's why I still believe in Fields. I still believe that he has the the talent and the ability to be at that top level. But I don't know whether it's going to happen with Chicago. No, I agree. And we can take some solace in the fact that it looks like Green Bay's quarterback might stink too. Yeah. You know, the thing is, is that you, you could look at it in one from one direction and say, well, you know, he's kind of a rookie. Yeah. And he is. Right. But at the same time, he's not. He's been in the, this is his fourth year in the league. And be, be, it, be it what it is, um, he's not going to get as much, of a, as much leeway as the next guy. No. He's not going to get the same amount of leeway as Bryce Young. Um, you know, because uh, he, he's, not, he's not 21. He's not 22. And this would be the last year of his deal, right? Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, they signed him to the extension, but regardless, no. They he, gave they gave him the fifth the fifth year option. Well, because right now, also, I mean, they they'd have a top ten pick. I'm pretty sure. So probably, who, who says they don't look for a different direction next year? He he. The, the other part of it is he hasn't looked good. No, I mean when you watch him, he does not look very capable. Except against the Bears. <laughs> he did look very capable against the Bears. All right, so speaking of the Bears, we got a real barn burner this week. God bless the National Football League where all of America is going to be sitting down on Thursday night to watch Panthers-Bears. We need we need a win, baby. Bears are three-and-a-half-point favorites, which tells me that the gambling market thinks Fields is going to play as opposed to Bajent. I, I think Fields will be playing. I, I'd be shocked if he's not. I think if it's Fields, the Bears win pretty easily. I think Bajent could beat this Panthers team, too. They are just brutal. Yeah, and, they're garbage. I mean, Bryce Young had played a little better for a couple weeks there, but then just was absolutely atrocious yesterday. Threw two pick sixes to the same guy. 
Um, it's a rough watch in Carolina. They, uh, they might even be worse than the Bears, and that's <laughs> that's pretty damn bad. You know, I, I just had a I just had a thought. What's that? We could get really ballsy this week in Survivor. No, <laughs> we are not doing that. Um, I don't know. Just real quick. Do you, I mean, would you prefer that they win or lose this one? Just well, I, I I think that they should win because the thing is, is that we have Carolina's pick, and Carolina has a higher percentage of getting the number one overall pick right. than the Bears do. So that's right. That's it. You know, that's a that, that's what we want. Yeah, I think so. So I, I and I think the Bears do get this one done. I, I think we've seen an ability for them to turn it around on a short week. And yeah. I, I just don't think they're as bad as the Panthers right now. And that says more about the Panthers than it does about the Bears. But I, I think they've got enough in the tank, whether it's Fields or Bajent, to get this win. I mean, one thing you can say about the Bears that's positive is that they are playing better than they were at the beginning of the year. True. That's not saying a lot, but it is saying something, and it is realistic. And like I said, um, the I think a big part of that is that the offensive line is... is finally gotten semi-healthy. Yeah, I mean, this could be kind of an ugly game where they just keep the ball on the ground and on a short week they just have a bit of an advantage That'd be fine. the Panthers because I think Brian Burns, the pass rusher, I think is out as well. Yeah, I saw he's in concussion protocol. He's like the one good player on that team. Yeah. So I, I think the Bears have enough to get this one done, although we are not taking them in Survivor. <laughs> put, 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 my, put my foot down on that one. <laughs> Um, the um, the other thing is is that um, maybe revenge game for Deontay Foreman and DJ Moore. That would be nice. Yeah, I mean we've seen DJ Moore go off on Thursday Night Football once this year. Yeah, so maybe that'll happen again. Yeah. So you picking the Bears? I'm picking the Bears. I think I am too. I don't think I'd bet three and a half, but no, I, I wouldn't bet three and a half. I, I think that they've got enough to get this one done. But they need they they do need to win because it is a much higher chance that um, that Carolina secures the number one overall pick. Yeah, I agree. If they lose, do you think there's any change on the coaching staff? I still don't. I I still don't believe that the coaching staff changes until the end of the season, and then it's like you said. Poles has his self, his 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 best interest to look after, and there's no way he can be looking at this coaching staff after what's happened the last two years and go, "This is headed in the right direction," because it's not. Yeah, I agree. And just and if he does think that, then maybe he is the delusional guy that some of the critics out there say he is. I don't think he is. I think he has much more of a realistic workman attitude. But you know. Well, yeah, that, that remains to be seen. Yeah, if the Panthers lose this game to the Bears, their their next few games: Cowboys at Titans, at Bucks, at Saints. So, yeah, boy, I mean, if if the Bears find a way to win this one, you could be locking the Panthers into what, like a one in thirteen start or something like that. Uh, play the, uh, play Justin Fields uh, this week in your fantasy team. If if he can play, yeah, I, I think that he, I think he runs for one and throws for one. All right, I like it. All right. All right. Well, that's it for this week, guys. We, we uh, thanks for joining us. Oh, we got to do Survivor. This will be. Oh, we're not picking the Bears. No. <laughs> this one will be really quick for me. My recommendation is that the Dallas Cowboys are sixteen and a half point favorites at home against the Giants. We haven't used the Cowboys yet. I think we use the Cowboys. I think that's a pretty good guess. Daniel Jones is out. Tyrod Taylor's out, which means that 
University of Illinois great, Tommy DeVito, who actually has... I had to look him up, because I was like, what? They literally don't let him throw. (laughs) So, I think that it's Dallas or nothing, and actually a lot of people in the pool have already used Dallas, so maybe they'll be pushed some other directions, and maybe we'll actually get a layup and some other people... It'll be interesting to see if... If some of the league does use the Bears this week against uh, against Carolina. I'll tell you what. If at this point you feel that the best use of your survivor potential winnings is to trust Justin Fields <laughs> and Matt Eberflus, <laughs> you're, you're braver than I am. <laughs> I bet some people will, though. I bet. I, I, I'm, I, I'm telling you right now. I, I predict that some people will be picking them. Soldier Field at home? Well, maybe that'll work in our favor if the Bears yeah. lose. Because, I mean, you know, they're, they're looking at, okay, who are the who are the terrible teams playing? Because that's what they did last week, right? Yep. Who are the terrible teams playing? And that's, that's what they're that's what they're. Playing. Well, and there's just some teams that are so bad that you can just bet against them every exact, game. exactly. And the Bears are one of those teams, exactly. by the way. The Bears are one of those teams. So, <laughs> All right. but they're just playing into a team that's actually worse. Yeah. Well, enjoy the game, or if you're not a loser and want to do something else with you Thursday night. I <laughs> wouldn't blame you at all, but I, I don't think anybody will blame you for that. I'll be watching, unfortunately, and I don't know. I I think the Bears are going to get this one and are going to be three and seven. Yay! Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening to another week. Uh, let's see what the Bears give us tomorrow and Wednesday because that's been a disaster this year several times. But maybe we're just going to have like a normal bad NFL week where you're just. <laughs> You lose and you're bad, and that's that's at least all you are in the news for. So, bear that down. Bear down. <laughs>